Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me all the way in Edinburgh, Scotland... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery! How's it going? Yes, yeah, very well, Matt. Uh, we'll get the wheel spinning straight I'll, away. I'll um, get it going straight off. Has there been anything uh, in the news recently? Uh, no, not really. Anything, anything going on in the world? I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything, so... Nothing to great. talk about. Uh, <laughs> the topic for this episode is... It's against all odds, Ian. It's against all odds, and I'll take this one if that's all right with you. Um, look, there's a lot of trust involved here, Matt, because obviously the wheel is still being held hostage by yourself um, in Scotland. So I'm happy for you to have it. Thank you very much. Well, I want to tell a story. It's going to be a football story. And by football, I mean soccer. And I'm not talking about Leicester of 2016. And I'm not talking about Greece of 2004. I'm talking Denmark, the original against all odds football story, all the way back in 1992. Uh, when they travelled to the European Championships held in Sweden. Do you know much about this tournament? Oh, Matt, this is actually quite close to my heart, This uh, because my first memory of, of a tournament, of a, of a major soccer ball tournament, was Italian 90. Right. It was a World Cup in, in Italy. But my most vivid memory you know, of a soccer tournament was 1992, the Euros, England had qualified for it, hadn't they? But they had. um, I remember the Republic of Ireland hadn't. Scotland were in it, I believe. Wales weren't. So Northern Ireland weren't. So there was a few. There was only really England keeping the interest. There wasn't, from memory, there wasn't that many countries involved. Oh, well, I can tell you all about it, Ian. But you're right. There wasn't that many countries involved. In fact, it was the last tournament where there was only eight teams in it. uh, The last of the European Championships. By 1996, four years later... Um, they they doubled that up to to sixteen qualified teams. Um, wow! Was so also... there was only there was only eight teams in the whole tournament. In the whole tournament, exactly eight teams. Wow! Um, also, it was notable because it was the last tournament uh, where there was two points awarded for a win rather than uh, the customary modern three points. Also, it was the last tournament uh, before they altered the back pass rule. Um, so from the summer, FIFA had introduced the rule where defenders couldn't pass the ball back to the goalkeepers to pick it straight up. So there was quite a few uh, changes, I guess. Quite It was notable for, for a few reasons. But one of the major things is the teams involved, it, it was quite interesting politically what was going on. So the teams to qualify uh, were Sweden. They qualified as host. France, England, Scotland, as you said. Holland. Um, now you've got Germany. Now this is Germany's first ever tournament uh, as the reunified Germany. Their previous tournaments up to then had been under the West Germany. Um, so this is their first time, which is notable. Um, and then the other team in there is the CIS national football team. Are you, are you aware oh, of the CIS? Matt, yeah, you said there was only eight, eight, eight countries involved. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so It turns out there's more than eight countries in the CIS. Yeah, well, that's it. There certainly is. So um, as the Soviet Union had formally ceased to exist uh, on the 26th of December 1991, so had all of its organisations, and that, that included the Football Federation of the Soviet Union. Oh, the USSR. So CIS national football team replaced the USSR national football team. Um, and it was unified team <laughs> of, of all of the uh, the broken up 
USSR countries that had just uh, been formed. So, yeah, as you say, there was there was way more than eight teams in there. There was, I think, eleven. Um, yeah, it was quite quite a remarkable bunch, and it was disbanded shortly after. But it was, and all of the results were actually transferred to the Russian national football team um, that played its first game in August 1992. But basically, from December 91 to August 92, they had the the CIS, um, <laughs> which is quite quite odd. It's really odd because I think um, I have a vague memory of my mum asking why the Building Society was playing in an international <laughs> tournament. But uh, nice. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, because in the CIS, like it's all the stands, isn't it? It's like Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan. Yep. It's like, and then the, a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries, um, not including you, some of them. I think I don't think yeah, there was Lithuania I think or Estonia. Lithuania or was Georgia. out. Lithuania was out. I think Moldova may have been out as well. Um, I, I was going to write them all down and I thought actually there's far too many to go through them all and it won't make good content so I didn't bother <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, um, this is all I'm interested in Matt <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, yeah it was the CIS's only uh, tournament uh, under that name as I say so that was interesting but you might have noticed there I've still only said seven teams Sweden, France, England, Scotland, Holland the reunified Germany and CIS the eighth team was Yugoslavia. They qualified top of their group um, for the final stage. Yugoslavia didn't exist anymore, so they were going to participate as the former Republic of Yugoslavia, FR Yugoslavia. But then due to the Yugoslav wars, their team was disqualified um, and were not allowed to enter uh, by UEFA. So what UEFA decided to do was hand their qualifying group's runner-up, Denmark, um, the place and the opportunity to play in the championship instead. Wow. So I actually went to Yugoslavia, the old Yugoslavia, as <laughs> as it was then, Yugoslavia. So you went to Yugoslavia um, whilst it was Yugoslavia? Whilst it was, yeah, whilst it was the original Yugoslavia. There you um, are. There used to be, it was very, there was a, a, a space of uh, Torcom holiday companies and stuff, and we went with Yugo Tours. Which is very good, isn't it? I like you go, you go tours, and we went in nine. I think it was nineteen eighty nine. I would have only been five or six years old, and uh, yeah, we went on a summer holiday to Yugoslavia. I think we went to what is now Croatia. Oh, there you but are. It was yeah, but I remember being in the swimming pool and uh, a. They, by the way, I, I'm. I I normally went to Butlins. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was very cheap to get. It was cheaper to go to Yugoslavia than it was to Butlins. So <laughs> I didn't want to paint myself as some sort of uh, Alan Wicker character, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was in a swim pool and a, a military helicopter um, got so close to the swim pool that the water was lapping up out oh, of wow. the pool. Which m- might have been a forerunner to the war, but I don't know. I never found out. We went home after two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it could have been. I mean, it's obviously politically unstable times across all of Europe. And, um, yeah, really strange times. So you've had, as I say, you've got the reunified Germany taking part for the first time. You've got um, the CIS replacing the USSR and... Yugoslavia have been withdrawn uh, by UEFA and they've been replaced by Denmark. So Denmark are informed of this decision less than a week before the tournament's due to start. A week? So it was like, this is... This is right up to date. That's amazing. I I also... This is like... 
they're making policy up on the hop here, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Surely. Yeah, exactly. But there'd been rumours. So some of the Danish players have been interviewed since and said that we weren't totally unprepared. Also, they had a friendly scheduled uh, against the CIS to help them prepare for the tournament anyway. So the team was sort of coming together. But um, Denmark's best player at the time, but not just the time, probably in history, is a guy called Michael Laudrup, who back in the early 90s was one of the stars of, of the great Barcelona team. Um, he was on holiday and he decided not to take part in the championship. Um, he'd already fallen out with a coach, uh, Richard Muller Nelson, um, and he said that he fancied Denmark's chances are so low, it wasn't worth him cancelling his holiday to return. Um, you know, the, this team were, they were all right. They'd finished runner-up um, behind Yugoslavia, but they were not fancied. You know, they hadn't had the, the time to prepare. Also, this competition, it was featuring some outstanding teams. Holland are the reigning European Championships after winning the Euros in 1988. West Germany, now Germany, had won the World Cup in 1990. England had got to the semi-finals of that World Cup in 1990 and only lost to, to West Germany on penalties. Um, USSR, or now the CIS, had finished ahead of Italy in qualifying. Uh, and Italy were fantastic uh, at this period. And they'd been the runners-up. Um, in 1988 and then you've got France who are undefeated in the UEFA uh, qualifying group one and during this period they've gone on a 19 match unbeaten streak that lasted almost three years so there's some real pedigree going into this tournament Denmark Scotland and probably Sweden are not considered favorites by too many people you know the the other five are you know real powerhouses um, and it's it looks like it's shaping up to be a really exciting tournament where anything could happen, you know, eight teams, short tournament, who knows. So the structure of the tournament is uh, two mini groups of four, and then the top two teams in each group proceed straight to the semi-finals, and then the winners go through to the final. So group one, going into the final match of the group stage, look, it's really tight. The groups, England, France, Sweden, and Denmark, and depending on how results go, the final group stage games go, all of those teams could qualify and all of them could also be eliminated. Eliminated Because at this point, you only get two points for a win. Is that right? So now exactly. It's three points for a win. So that yeah. makes it a bit tighter. So in one of these final games, Denmark's playing France and Henrik Larsson, um, not the famous Swede of Celtic, Henrik Larsson. Uh, this is Henrik Larsson. <laughs> uh, he scored early for Denmark against France. And although Papin equalises for the French in the 60th minute, Larsdal Elstrup scores the winner for the Danes with 12 minutes to go. The French can't score again. They're eliminated. And Denmark, the team who were totally unfancied, are suddenly through to the semi-finals. Um, they'd got draws previously against uh, England and Sweden and went through with one win and two draws into the into the semi-finals. Sorry, you're saying Laudrup is not playing for Denmark? Michael Laudrup isn't, no. Um, his brother is, though. And he can't join, like, from his holiday, just mid-tournaments? Like, no. He, now no, that you've no, got no. to the semi-final and you need a bit of firepower, I'll come and... Do you know where he was on holiday? I don't know where he was on holiday. He got a bargain with Hugo Tours. <laughs> probably, probably not by then. Um, he got... <laughs> He got into the national side. He got back into the national side in 1993. So I don't think it was a permanent falling out. But um, 
yeah, it was enough for him to miss this tournament. And I'd say with hindsight, he might he might go on to regret it. <laughs> um, Don't spoil it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the other group, uh, Holland have won the group going undefeated. Uh, and Germany finished second. So Denmark are now going to face Holland in the semi-finals. Now, remember, the Dutch are the reigning European championships. And as I said, they're unbeaten in this tournament. This Dutch team had uh, the likes of Van Basten, Bergkamp, Hullet, Rijkaard, De Boer, Komen. You know, it's it's an all-star team. And it's a lovely blend of youth and experience. You know, it's 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 a great side. And again... Not for the first time. Everyone's writing off Denmark. Nobody's given the Danes a chance. But, once again, Henrik Larsson of Denmark gets an early goal. After only five minutes, the Danes are leading. Um, Now, Bergkamp goes on to equalise for Holland, but Henrik Larsson again from midfield uh, scores a second goal, and at half-time, Denmark are leading 2-1. And they continue to lead until there's only four minutes left of the match. At this stage, Denmark are going through to the final when Rijkaard scores for Holland and forces extra time. And if needed, penalties. Now at this stage, I don't know about you, Ian, but I feel like these this, this unfancied side who are leading against the European Championships 2-1 up, when they go 2-all, surely you'd feel so deflated and so defeated, even though you're, you know the game's not over, it's two-two. But with four minutes left, you must feel like your chance is gone, and eventually the better side's going to win the day, right? Well, you're kind of looking at this uh, this Netherlands team. Uh, they are the team that's really come to fruition after Total Football, aren't they? Exactly. You know, like the total football movement in the 60s, 70s, it's really come through. And the, these are the kids that have grown up in the Netherlands mm-hmm. who are now, who could technically are brilliant. I mean, those names that you read out, I mean, they would often, like the, all those players would be there or thereabouts in a, in a top 20 players in Europe or like of their day. I mean, it, it, and some of them have won World Player of the Year, European Player of the Year. So yeah, I would I would be thinking that, that you know not many of the Denmark team are household names. So no, no, not too many. I mean, you've got Peter Schmeichel, obviously of, of Manchester United. Um, I, pretty much, he was he was the one, I suppose. As I say, Michael Laudrup uh, had, had skipped the tournament. His brother, probably more famous for being Michael Laudrup's brother. Maybe that's harsh, but yeah, it was. Um... <laughs> It wasn't an all-star side, definitely not. The Danes, I would have, I would expect, are feeling deflated at this time. But they hold their nerve. They see at the end of the game, they see it through extra time, and it goes to penalties. And Van Basten of Holland misses his penalty. The Danes hold their nerve, they score all five of theirs, and there you are. They're in the final. This team who everybody said were just there to make up the numbers, even their star player... And suddenly, from nowhere, they're in the final. And they're going to be facing the world champions, Germany. And Schmeichel saved that penalty, didn't he? From memory. I think he saved it rather than being missed. Yes. Schmeichel ended up being one of the stars of the tournament and uh, features in the the team of the tournament. Um, You know, he made some key saves pretty much in every game. And, uh, you know, he's, he's somebody who... 
definitely would have been one of the stars. But when you're in a football match, when your star's the goalkeeper, that's probably not enough to win a match. You know, it's enough to keep <laughs> you in a match, but... It's also a sign of who is busy in your team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the goalkeeper. You know? <laughs> but did, did any of the other Denmark team make the team of the tournament? Yes. Yes, they did. Um, the only other player was Brian Laudrup, Michael Laudrup's brother, who didn't score in the, in the Sweden game, but was probably one of the most eye-catching uh, players throughout the tournament. And, you know, he, he had a good career as well. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on, on old Brian there. But, uh, yeah, if Bri- Brian, if you're listening, like, don't be offended that every time Matt said your name, he's followed it by saying Michael Laudrup's brother, <laughs> like as though that's a qualification. Because Michael Laudrup, yes, was a great player. Brian Laudrup played in the European Championships and has got to the final something Michael hasn't done. So well played, Brian. <laughs> and also, you've got an extraordinarily boring first name and quite a. <laughs> Quite a lovely surname. <laughs> well, as you say, Brian Laudrup's through to the final. So are the rest of the team. And they're going to be facing Germany, who are the world champions. Okay, They won the World Cup two years earlier. Um, they had only lost once in this tournament so far, and that was against the Dutch in the group stage. And this is a team that's used to winning major trophies. They'd won the World Cup in 1990. They'd also won it in 1974. But they'd also finished World Cup runners-up in 1986 and 1982. And they go on, you know, after the fact to, to win other major trophies, you know, in the 90s and beyond. This G- Germany is a really established winning national side. You know, they have a, a strong mentality and... They're playing a team in Denmark who shouldn't even have been there if it wasn't for the Yugoslav Wars. A team whose star player hasn't turned up and nobody is given Denmark a chance. Germany, surely, have got it won. And also the fact that Denmark have played the semi-final against one of the best teams in the world. So they've exactly. really played their final already and it went into extra time, extra time. and it went so into penalties. Exhausted. Exactly. I mean and it was th- it was the early 90s so they probably got drunk after the semi-final as exactly. well. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um and they weren't even fit going into the tournament, you know, half of them were on the holidays. So it's there's so many reasons why this shouldn't have happened. But as you know, as you've probably guessed, Denmark go on to win the game and they and they actually win it fairly comfortably. They they go on 1-0 up and Dominating the first sort of the early stages of the game, Germany come back into it. Peter Schmeichel makes some excellent saves to to really keep them in the game, and eventually Denmark get another chance and uh, score the second goal, and and that's it. Germany are rocked. They can't believe that they're two 0 down, and that's it. They can't they can't recover from that. They sort of go into maybe a state of shock, and um, Denmark see out the game. It's it's actually a fairly comfortable win in the end and Denmark are the champions 2-0 it's such a beautiful story this for so many reasons but I also think that I'm very pleased that this is one of my memories growing up of this tournament because it's almost like an insect caught in amber it's like a, a, a moment in time when football was kind of almost still innocent in a way because yep. just before the 1992, Premier League, yeah. the Premier League came in, like, you know, all the international transfers, 
but even like the simplest eight teams playing, like you know, they're talking about now expanding the World Cup to like you know sixty four teams or something stupid, and it kind of does lose its value. It's all about the money, like. And here we have like journeymen um, Danish team winning the tournaments, but also from memory, I think they the the mascot for the tournament was like was a rabbit just wearing like sweatbands and a headband <laughs> i and, don't know and, i didn't yeah see. and so uh, and the name of and, and maybe we need to research this to correct me but the name of that mascot was rabbit <laughs> 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 and like oh, that is just right. lovely lovely for me because it is a show of like naivety or underdevelopment or innocence but also the fact that they just like seem to make these rules upon the hock to kind of get teams in and make the tournament happen. And the the other fact is that you've got in in nineteen eighty eight when they're playing in the European um championship, mm-hmm. they're all well established teams who are playing in that. And it's it's almost like by nineteen ninety two, it's like all these countries kind of went to school together and then in the preceding four years, they all went away to university and lived their own life, and then they've they've met in the pub together, and it's they've all slightly changed. Like the CIS is, you know, <laughs> the CIS is kind of oh, you're not what I remember you. I, I kind of remember you at the back of history class, but what's happened here? And then you've got oh, where's Yugoslavia gone? He hasn't turned up, and then you've got. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got West Germany, who who is now just Germany, rebranded themselves. Yeah. It's oh, it's so strange that this tournament even got off the ground and took place. Yeah, it's and bizarre. The following tournament, Euro '96, which was uh, hosted in England, seems like a lifetime away. Not just four years, but by that point, it just seems like such a big leap in these eight years and sandwiched in between is the European Euro 92. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's probably quite, a, I guess, transitional tournament or a sort of transformative tournament for football. But as I say, a lot of changes with the two points being replaced and the back pass rule being, being altered. Yeah. It was really, really strange times, but it's, it's interesting to sort of think about what was it about this team and why did they win? And uh, I don't know, one of the theories maybe, or one of the suggestions would be that it was actually the lack of pressure. The team had less than a week to prepare. They went in almost with a we-can't-lose mentality. You know, even if they got beat 5-0 every week, well, they had an excuse. So they could just go and have fun and express themselves, and whatever results they got were a win, because really they should never have been there in the first place, and if it hadn't been for Yugoslav Wars, they wouldn't have been. So... Maybe that lack of pressure actually maybe helped them, you know, no nerves. And uh, perhaps that was sort of quite a deciding factor. I don't know. Another thing that maybe could have been influential was that of the the squad, 10 of the players had either played for, either currently played for or had previously played for Bromby. Um, And a year before the Euros, Bromby had actually made it to the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup. And Bromby's a, a, a Danish club side and... For them to have got to the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup, that's obviously a big deal. And Bromby at that time were, you know, clearly going through a, a spell of, of success. So maybe the fact that these players, or 10 of them, 
had links from their club side as well. Um, maybe that helped their, their team spirit or just, just a, an understanding of the tactics, things like that. It's it's a really strange upset and they definitely didn't have the best players, but but maybe they had the best team. And that was that was sort of Kim Vilfort's, he was one of the, the Danish players. That was his take on it. He just said the team wanted to win and they had fantastic team spirit and it was the spirit that helped them through those difficult games against better players. And I think on the other side as well, uh, you look at the German team. I mean, this is the first major tournament that they've played as a unified Germany. The The wounds are still open. The, the, I know that there was uh, difficulty trying to, you know, integrate East Germany players into the German team, etc., you know, just be, just generally behind the scenes. And that probably lasted uh, beyond that point as well. But you, you do get the sense that maybe the, the, that's the first time they're being watched by a unified Germany. And that is a lot of pressure to kind of feel like, oh, the weight of this new nation, if you like, this old new nation is is upon us and, and we have to, to to do the job. And, you know, but you think of like a player like Peter Schmeichel, still had his best years ahead of him as well. It wasn't like this was his swan song, was it? No, definitely it's not. Like, definitely not. I don't know, did Jan Molby play? Yeah, he did. He was one of the players who'd fallen out with uh, with the manager as well. So it was Jan Molby, Brian Laudrup and Michael Laudrup. But Jan Molby and um, Brian Laudrup returned to the to the fold, but uh, Michael didn't. Yeah, because uh, obviously I grew up watching uh, Jan Molby play for Liverpool and uh, he was his nickname was The Great Dane. And and he, I think it would have been even if he wasn't from Denmark because he did resemble that dog. <laughs> just <laughs> you would expect at a goal celebration that he just slobber all over you. <laughs> so, yeah. I um, you know what, Jan Mulby's player who I rem- I know his name more than uh, his his face, if you like. Yeah, Google him. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a wonderful player, technically outstanding player. A player definitely who uh, uh, didn't didn't need to run a lot, shall we? Shall we put it politely? <laughs> so against all odds, Matt, that's an amazing story. Denmark. I mean, they'll probably never win it again. So uh, at least we've uh, we, we saw it. <laughs> and if you didn't see it, you listen to this episode. So well done to you. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, and. Please do follow us on Instagram, Twitter at The Wheel of Sport. Email us, thewheelofsport at gmail.com. If you've got any suggestions, if you need to send any abuse, whatever, we're more than happy to hear from you. Um, and make sure, be be very kind. It's a time in the world to be kind. So leave a review um, on whatever platform you get your podcasts from that would be much appreciated and it warms both mine and matt's hearts absolutely when we see the reviews come through um obviously only five star reviews and if you've got any uh, feedback about the show make it positive so <laughs> thanks for listening to the greatest four stories ever told thanks matt thanks ever so much take care